Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
So tell me, great Hesperius, what will you offer me for this favor? You wish to be untethered from the Lord of Night. Not an easy task. A lot of string pulling will be needed, indeed, if you'll excuse the pun. <laughs> Enough of your banter. What is it you want? I would watch your tongue, little destroyer. You are mistaken if you think me at your behest. I could have you dancing on strings like the rest of these marionettes in but a moment. Perhaps puppeteer you back to that master of yours. As to what I want, my dear friend, you're in luck, as I believe you are in possession of exactly what I want. <laughs> Is that so? In what, pray tell, is that? <laughs> Legacy. <laughs> Wesley awoke to the familiar sound of rain pattering on the canvas of his tent. Another of Hesperius's memories had visited him a continuation of one he'd seen before. This time, the identity of the entity was clear. It was the puppeteer. A deep rage bubbled inside him, dark thoughts spiraling into a vortex of desperation. From their exchange, it was evident that Hesperius sought to escape the clutches of his master. But what did he truly do? And what did the thing mean by legacy? He'd learned by now not to question the voice in his mind. It would either mock him or speak in riddles. Sadly, this was a mystery demanding patience. He was uncertain if he truly wanted to uncover all the truths. Disturbing revelations had become all too frequent, testing the limits of his sanity. And he was still grappling with Riva's loss, a sentiment shared by the group. Beyond the emotional pain, there was a pragmatic concern. Without Riva, how would they defend themselves? Ironically, they would now need Wesley as their beacon of hope. But how would they feel once they discovered his true nature? Just then, the voice interjected. How do you think they'll react, little Wesley? Do you think they'll welcome you with open arms once you reveal the eldritch terror living inside you? <laughs> but perhaps more importantly, how do you think I'll react to a poor reception? Hmm? As I said before, threatening them doesn't work anymore. They're as good as dead without us anyway. So whether you kill them or the things on this continent do makes no difference. <laughs> How callous you've become, Wesley. I'm almost proud of you. Wesley brushed off the Melfic entity's taunts and got dressed. Stepping out of his tent, he found the group huddled around a waning fire, its flickering light struggling against the ash and rain. A palpable sense of loss hung in the air, yet each member was engrossed in a task, Salvatore packing, Foran dousing the fire. Moffat, peculiarly, was enjoying his breakfast of corned beef hash. The sight was amusing, akin to watching a tycoon savoring a can of cheap pasta. 
The raging storm overhead muffled conversations. Wesley welcomed the quiet, cherishing the solitude for a moment longer. Retreating to his tent, he began packing. But a scream from Salvatore cut through the storm's roar. Heart pounding, Wesley swiftly unzipped his tent and raced towards the source, fearing this might be the moment his secret, or the entity within him, was exposed. When he reached Salvatore, the man was staring intently at a babbling stream. Despite its inky hue, the stream seemed ordinary, its gentle currents occasionally ferrying a stray leaf. What is it? Are, are you okay? Salvatore looked confused, staring at the small brook with trepidation. There was just... Uh, there was... There was what? Moffat and Voren arrived, equally concerned with Salvatore's state. Uh, this, this, this wasn't a stream a few moments ago. It was a... Jesus, it was a fucking river of snakes. Uh, snakes of all sizes. Some I don't even think were... Earthly. Are you sure you... I know what I saw, goddammit. There was a there was a flood of fucking snakes here. Oh, I can't help but draw a parallel between what he saw and what I saw, guys. Can't be just a coincidence. Something weird's going on. I have to agree. But what exactly? Are these premonitions? Warnings? Woffit, you experienced with these kinds of things. What do you think it means? I'm not quite sure. It could mean a lot of things. But it surely has to do with the Prince of Snakes. One cannot ignore the obvious symbolism. There was a silence for a moment, as if waiting for a river to pipe in. But Vorn quickly recovered and spoke. Well, there's not much we can do about it now. Best we finish packing up and make our way towards our destination. Salvatore looked frustrated. Yeah, and then what? What exactly are we supposed to do when we reach the city of the Bell Fiend? I mean... If we've learned anything by being here, it's that every goddamn thing we run into is hostile. We're simply going to have to be careful. We'll need to scout the place out from afar at first, and then figure out a game plan from there. Yeah, and then what? I don't fucking know, Salvatore. I'm... I'm doing the best I can. An awkward silence loomed. A dark and ominous cloud that seemed to hover over their heads, their souls. Let's just move on, shall we? No sense staying here and bickering about it. Moffat began to make his way back to camp, nonchalantly gathering his belongings. The rest of the group, weighed down by a sense of obligation, followed in silent unison, pressing onward. As they navigated the rocky expanse, the roar of thunder accompanied them. Now and then, fingers of lightning would strike the distant protruding rocks. For hours, they traversed a barren, stony wasteland, where sporadic tufts of grass sprang up like sparse hairs on a balding scalp. However, as time wore on, the landscape transformed. First, they came across hollowed-out machines, ominous relics whose histories and functions remained enigmatic. The land seemed like a graveyard of abandoned or ravaged technology, left to deteriorate under the relentless rain. But as they ventured further, the scene grew more grotesque. They were surrounded by entities that defied categorization, neither wholly mechanical nor entirely organic, but a twisted fusion of both. 
Some were vast, their indistinct forms stretching out over the length of several football fields. Others appeared as a chaotic meld of diverse organisms, combined with a macabre grace. Wesley grappled to comprehend if these entities were products of genetic manipulation or some advanced bioengineering. Still, their intricate, albeit unsettling, designs were undeniably captivating. As they moved on, they began encountering the mangled remains of creatures they had battled before, the offspring of Amara. Their shattered bodies lay strewn about, with their bones eerily displayed atop cliff edges, serving as grim reminders. Jesus! I don't know if this is a war zone or a fucking junkyard. The fuck are those things? I gather these are what everyone was referring to as creations of the Belfine. As to what they are, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen biotherics used in all sorts of different ways, but not like this. This is... Wesley approached one of the bizarre entities, which lay sprawled out as though carelessly abandoned like a shattered toy. Its limbs were robust, made up of pale, taut muscle fibers. The claws, in particular, were intriguing, composed of a fusion between chitin and an unfamiliar metal, merged together as if through some arcane alchemical method. In his tenure as a biologist, Wesley had dabbled in cybernetics, but the integrations he had seen were basic in comparison. These entities, while clearly modified, bore non-biological components that seemed intrinsic to their makeup. It was as if these foreign elements had been seamlessly woven into their genetic code. If they even had one. The creature was a nightmarish tapestry of predatory features, teeth resembling stalactites, thorn tentacles, a myriad of eyes, and peculiar stone-like horns jutting from its frame. It was a chimera in every sense, amalgamating lethal attributes from various species. After what felt like ages, Wesley's dormant scientific curiosity was rekindled, stirring from the depths of his analytical psyche. These things, they're incredible. It's, it's as if they're diverse features, you know, which, which range from biological, mechanical, and even geological are actually endemic to the organism itself. What do you mean? See here, uh, these are metal alloys, and over here are various kinds of hard stone. Now, if you wanted to introduce something like that to an organism, it would have to be done surgically, um, not unlike cybernetics. But these creatures, they weren't operated upon. Instead, they seemed to develop these features as if they were natural parts of their biology, which is... impossible. Well, it's all very interesting, Dr. Morgan. But does it lend us any hints as to the nature of these Balfine characters? Well, it says they're scientifically minded. Perhaps that could work in our favor. In my experience, uh, scientists are more rational. You've clearly never heard of the mad scientist trope. On the contrary, these uh, things seem to be Dr. Frankenstein's of a sort. Just of a much more advanced type. Well... We're not going to find out anymore by just standing here. We need to keep moving forward. The group exchanged affirming glances and continued on their journey. The surroundings morphed, revealing colossal trees that dotted the expanse, their canopies intertwined with unusual black vines. Rocks and shadowy crystalline spires pierced the earth, 
reminiscent of the backbone of an entombed colossal dragon. Gradually, distant structures came into view. Initially, they appeared as wobbly towers swaying in the wind, their foundations seemingly precarious, but drawing nearer revealed a far more unsettling truth. The first structure was perched atop a cliff, reminiscent of a lighthouse. Yet, it blended the characteristics of both an edifice and a living entity. Its towering form, primarily made of a gray alloy, was adorned with patches of throbbing flesh and feelers, limb-like extensions covered in hair-like cilia, presumably for tactile perception. The pinnacle of the tower showcased a metallic ring encasing a tremendous reptilian eye that bore down on them with an intense gaze. Suddenly, to the group's shock, the immense eye dislodged from its metallic confines and hurtled towards them, anchored by a shimmering optic nerve. Ah! What? What the fuck? Hold still. Hold still. The group all froze as the gargantuan eye inspected them. Strange lights emanated from the black pools of the thing's pupils, seemingly scanning them. The tower's tendrils followed, slipping down from the building like creeping pythons and briefly wrapping about their bodies. It didn't seem hostile, but investigative. Ah, uh, getting a little weirded out here. What the fuck do we do? Right now it seems to be only inspecting us. Uh, let's not do anything to piss it off. The men let the thing finish its analysis, and the appendages, including the large eye, receded back to their original places. The eye maintained its stare, however, but the examination seemed to be complete. Well, uh, I think it's safe to say they know we're here. So much for sneaking in. Well, they didn't kill us, so that's something. Well, there's no going back now. The men exchanged glances of mutual understanding. A silent agreement that their time on this world might be dwindling. Their gait reflected a melancholic hesitance, reluctant to confront the seemingly inevitable fate ahead. Their environment offered little comfort. An increasing number of biomechanical structures emerged from the landscape. Some structures resembled animate dwellings with exteriors of writhing flesh dotted with countless insect-like eyes. Others took on the form of vast citadels covered in tendrils and various sensing organs all keenly observing them as they walked by. Wesley observed that each structure had the potential for terrifying aggression. Protrusions with snapping jaws, extended limbs culminating in peculiar firearm-like barrels, and colossal hands ending in talons designed for tearing. However, these entities remained motionless, exuding an air of wary restraint. To Wesley, they appeared as armed watchtowers, ever vigilant for intruders. This area was the most technologically sophisticated he had encountered since arriving on the continent. A glimmer of hope sparked within him that perhaps these beings might be more civilized. Yet his past experiences here reminded him to be wary. Time had shown that everything harbored a kernel of malevolence, an inherent drive to annihilate, dominate, or corrupt. But their continued survival offered a sliver of optimism, at least for the moment. By the time the men approached a grand gate, the sky had intensified its barrage. The monumental barrier extended for what seemed like miles, 
adorned with a myriad of wriggling biologics and mechanical trappings. Countless eyes of varying design studded its expanse, some resembling reptilian gazes, others akin to the multifaceted eyes of insects, each keenly assessing the group. But even more astounding than the gate was the city it guarded, Destra. The metropolis was a mesmerizing blend of allure and repulsion. Black glass skyscrapers reached for the heavens, their structures interwined with peculiar biomechanical extensions, balconies supported by steel beams interwoven with taut muscle, functioning in flawless unison. The city's aesthetic was darkly industrial, an unimaginable fusion of biology and machinery. Destra was alive in the most profound sense, a city where the animate and inanimate had melded without distinction, both terrifying and fascinating in its complexity. Well, what the fuck do we do now? Well, they've let us come this far. I suppose we wait. Until? Until they've let us in. Wonderful. Those jellyfish motherfuckers best be keeping their word about protecting us when we need it. They haven't exactly inspired a lot of confidence in me. What other choice do we have? Yeah, well, I feel like that's become our motto. I should get it tattooed on our fucking foreheads. Or more likely, carve it on our gravestones. Moffat was strangely quiet, Wesley noticed. He looked at him and saw that expression on his face again. The one where he could see the gears turning behind his eyes. He knew something. Wesley just didn't know what. But while he could see Vorin, Salvatore, and himself slightly shaking, there was no such trepidation in Cyrus. He simply waited calmly, humming to himself. He knew better than to interrogate the man. He would only deny knowing anything. He could only hope the man had their best interest at heart. A Muffet's interests lie with themselves, little Wesley. Whatever he knows only furthers the next step of his agenda. Whatever that may be. You'll, you'll have to excuse me for not entirely believing you, given your bias. You don't have to believe me, little Wesley. Only notice how your friends regard him. They equally distrust him. Does that not tell you something? Well, point taken, but he's been helpful thus far. Deceitful, but ultimately on our side. That's more than I can say for you. And like I said, you've got a beef with his ancestors, so... You're not exactly speaking from an objective standpoint. Oh, I'm not the only one who has a beef with them. You do too, little Wesley. After all, it was that Moffat's actions that ultimately put me here, inside your head. In fact, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. And you'd probably be somewhere off debunking Obscurum somewhere. My dear Wesley, you have just as much reason to hate them as I do. It was them that cursed you and yours to this existence, not me. Remember that. Wesley went silent, absorbing the words of the manipulative monster. As always, there was an aspect of what he said that was true. The man who Hesperius was initially trapped in didn't seem to want to serve as a vessel. It was forced upon him. And the architect of that situation was indeed a Moffat. Hesperius was right. The Moffats were not good by any stretch of the imagination. But for the time being, their agendas were aligned. That would have to be enough. As the sun started to set and the storm above began to die down, the massive gate in front of the men suddenly began to open.
The sound of it echoed into the distance, a cacophony of metal and sliding flesh fighting the thunder above. When the gate was finally open, a darkly robed figure stood in front of them, surrounded by giant shadowy things that growled, hissed, and moaned. The figure slowly walked closer. Ah, my friends. We've been expecting you. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. 
just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.